it's such a blessing, you know, when you see your kids uh, reading their Bible or like, for instance, my daughter playing hymns and worship music on the piano. I mean, man, you talk about blessings. Wow. Hey, this is Nate Dancer with Purity for Life. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We're on the fifth episode of our mini-series, Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom. Today we're going to look at yet another vital aspect of learning to walk in freedom from sexual sin, keeping a godly atmosphere in your home. I just converted my home uh, from a worldly environment to a sanctuary, you know, and when I did that, when I would come home from work, uh, downtown Atlanta, I'd come into my um, apartment and I would feel like the presence of the Lord, this peace of God in my home, this it was literally my sanctuary. It's a lesson that we all have to learn. If we want to live godly lives, we have to keep a careful guard over our own homes. That's what's coming up. Here we go. I'm joined today by Adam and Shelley. Adam graduated from our Overcomers at Home program all the way back in 2005. And when I was thinking about today's topic, I knew immediately, man, I have to interview Adam and Shelley. And I think you're going to see why. But first, I'll let you get to know a little bit about Adam. Growing up unchurched and around, you know, a bunch of friends that were unchurched, uh, I think I was about 13 or 14 years old, and I was over to a friend's house from the neighborhood, and we discovered uh, some pornographic magazines in his dad's closet. And, you know, we just, as young boys, young teenage boys, we just immediately begin rifling through those, you know, just looking at them. And uh, I mean, he had a stack of pornographic magazines and I would, you know, be able to take some home with me and hide them under my bed and look at them all the time and just was completely given over in that way. You know, after looking at those magazines for a couple of years, probably leading up to I was about 15, of course that was not enough. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about what I was seeing, uh, what I was looking at. I, I just wanted to have a, a deeper experience. And so, of course, it wasn't long after that when uh, me and my girlfriend at that time eventually crossed that line. And, and that's, that's what did it. I mean, I just that just sent me on a, a dangerous course of, you know, wanting those experiences, relationships, sexual experiences with girls, you know, and there was no boundaries, you know, just, just went for it and totally gave over. After giving over to sexual relationships, all of my teenage years and just different girlfriends, one after the other, um, eventually I was married. I got married, um, at a young age, 21, 22 years of age. And, of course, I quickly had an affair, and the consequences of that was obviously divorce, and that cycle just continued, just with broken relationships, you know, being unfaithful to one girlfriend after another. I'm never satisfied with just 
being in a committed, faithful relationship. You know, I just uh, continually wanted more and looked for more and gave over to more for years, all the way up until my 30s, you know, and the consequences of that were both, you know, external and internal, you know, because it, as any sin, uh, now no looking back just hollowed me out you know every single time every single look every single experience every single thought you know just hollowed me out to i was just a shell of a man with really nothing left nothing no hope no joy no peace nothing worth really living for and when you know when you're hollowed out to that level you almost get to the point where, for me, I just really didn't know if there was anything worth living for. And that was a wake-up call for me to get help. I mean, I just was like, man, you know, here I am 30 in my 30s with, I just have no hope, I have no drive, I have, I mean, I'm just like, man, I need help. Something is wrong. So when I first began the Pure Life Ministries, Overcomers at Home program. I remember getting this material in the mail. There's, you know, these workbooks and these teachings on tapes. Uh, and I remember looking at this stack of material, this discipleship material, and I'm like, you know, what in the world have I got, got myself into? Uh, but I had a, my first counseling session, and, you know, I'll never forget it. The very first counseling session, I was describing my life and we were going over my testimony that I had submitted to the program. And I'll never forget the counselor said, you know, Adam, Jesus leaves the 99 to go get the one. And man, I remember for the first time, you know, I felt, uh, I felt hope because I knew I was that one, you know. It was so amazing. That really just kick-started me in the program. And then it was um, a few weeks after that, my counselor had been telling me to go through Psalm 51. And I remember just going through Psalm 51 day after day after day. And it was about three or four weeks into the program. And... I'd been, you know, having counseling sessions. I've been going through the material, reading the books, going through the walk of repentance, uh, going through at the altar of sexual idolatry. You know, I was doing what I was told. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was doing what my counselor was telling me to do. And after three or four weeks in the program, I'll never forget while I was going through Psalm 51, it was just like the Lord showed up and made things so real to me. Uh, he was able to show me all of my sin and rebellion and uh, just my life in darkness and just the way I had all my pride, my self-life, my arrogance, just what a mess I was. But at the same time, he was also able to give me a glimpse of Calvary. And I saw the cross for the first time like I'd never seen it before. And man, it just powerfully affected me. I saw the way that I was, the wretchedness of me and my life and my sin. 
but I also saw the loving forgiveness and the cleansing power of the Lord. And man, that was absolutely the defining moment in my life while I was going through the program. And it was like after I had that experience with the Lord, it was just off to the races. So I am really excited about our show today because we have Adam and Shelly with us. Adam, as I mentioned, you graduated back in uh, 2005 from our Overcomers at Home program. Shelly, you've been longtime friends with uh, Steve and Kathy Gallagher. Uh, Adam, you've been on the board. So yeah, we go back a ways, and I'm really grateful to have both of you. Thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Um. I love the way that this episode started out with just sharing a bit of your testimony, Adam, because the whole point of this series is to give people who have genuinely experienced repentance, to give them some key lessons that they're going to need on the road to freedom. And your testimony really illustrates that perfectly because you had a powerful experience of repentance. And then you had to learn how to walk it out, how to walk out the new life. Um, And I think what I want to focus on in this interview is how important it is to establish a godly home, um, how to establish a godly atmosphere in the home, because I know that that's something that you've talked about a lot (laughs) as you've come to Pure Life and shared your story and shared what... um, what worked for you. And I remember one thing specifically. It was probably about 10 years ago. And I visited you in your apartment. And you were living in downtown Atlanta. And I remember you talking about how after you got out of the program, you you were super careful about where you went and what you did. And it was almost like the impression I got was you got up, you spent time with the Lord, you went to work, and then you came home and you were just in your apartment, you know, you and Shelly. Like you really didn't do a lot of things in the world because of the atmosphere that the world has. Is is that right? Like, am I remembering that right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely correct. Okay. Um <laughs> What was it that caused you to to do things so extremely in those early years? Well, for one, you know, my well, what caused me to do things so extreme is because I was able to clearly see how being out in the world and giving over to the things of the world affected my life. I mean, I just was able to see it and I was able to see how uh, the pool of the world. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't describe it. I can just tell you that it was real to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you did not want to go back there. Yeah, I didn't want to go back there. Um, Shelly, can I ask you about how that lifestyle affected you? Because... Obviously, we believe, we teach that any man who's been really involved in sexual sin needs to have strict boundaries, 
because the world system is so sensual, because it, it wants us to give over to a life of lust. So, you know, we preach that separation and those strong boundaries, but that has an effect on a wife, you know, and <laughs> sometimes wives are like, okay, I get that that's your deal. Why do I have to get dragged into this? Um, how did you handle that kind of separation? Um, so it was a little different, you know, all of a sudden I was coming to grips with, so you mean you're saying on Friday nights, you don't want to go out to dinner and walk around the mall anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So we were, had questions like that. It just seemed so different to me. I will say that he went through Oka right before we got married. He came out of Oka and we got married. So we dealt with a lot of the coming out together. Um, but I did not go through Oka. And so... It was a little confusing to me. I'd grown up as a very sincere American Christian. And so there were certain aspects of I understood about his walk with the Lord, but I probably hadn't grown up under a lot of teaching about worldliness. So I really made it was difficult for me to make that connection about and how is this going to help you if we don't do these certain things? How is that going to help your walk with the Lord? Mm -hmm. But I will say, I was super sincere about wanting to follow Jesus, and I was super sincere about wanting him to make it. And so I think those two things initially pushed me forward to go along with it, to say, okay, if this is what you feel like we need to do, this is what we'll do. And I think initially I did it for those reasons, to help him and also thinking, well, maybe he understands something I don't, which was true to a certain extent. Um it wasn't long before I was going through a lot of the pure life teachings and it started to become real to me personally about why this was really good for me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing that strikes me when you think about the lifestyle that you guys were living at that time, especially in the middle of a downtown urban culture that's so alive with activity and fun and nights on the town and that sort of thing. It's like so abnormal. Um, and I, people would probably call it radical. Some people might call it fanatical. Definitely in comparison to your average American, but um, even in comparison to your average American Christian. So like as you guys were seeking to live in this new way, really separated from the world. Were you getting a lot of pushback from friends or family? And how did you deal with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I lost all my friends in that radical conversion. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you have to realize that, you know, I was not brought up in the church. I didn't have a church group or church friends. I mean, all the, the guys that I hung out with, all my friends were, you know, they were exactly like me. Mm. And so when I got converted, you know, when I got on fire for the Lord, I mean, they just, you know, they were not going to go down that road. And so essentially I lost all my friends, really. Mm. And I lost all mine <laughs> because first of all, some of them had a difficult time um, understanding why I would marry Adam. And then the other ones couldn't get on board with the fact that I no longer was doing the things that we used to do, like going to movies or um, 
just whatever worldly American things we used to do in the name of Christianity, um, that we weren't going to Super Bowl parties at the church anymore. Um, we just really felt the need to step out of those things in this season of our life. And so it was hard and our family didn't quite understand it. Bless their heart. Some of them really tried to stand with us in it, but it was difficult for everybody. And we were so probably, like you said, extreme in it. I mean, more than likely, we didn't do everything right in some of those relationships, but I will say our hearts were really, really just sincere about wanting to follow Jesus and wanting to find this way. And so we just stuck at it. And honestly, it pushed our relationship closer together. We became closer to one another, and we also became obviously closer to the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that this brings up something really interesting, too, which is just that as Christians, we have to follow Jesus, you know, not follow the system, not follow other people's convictions, not follow other people's freedoms, not try to figure out like, okay, what's acceptable in this culture, but we have to follow Jesus. And if Jesus is telling us no, then we just have to do it, you know? And I think it was really interesting, something that you said as well, Shelley, you said, in this season of our lives, because I'm interested to know how maybe some of those convictions, I wouldn't say changed over time, but just how the Lord led you in later years, you know? But before we go there, I was thinking about something that Jesus said, because he was talking about when a person has been delivered from demonic control they need to make sure that the place where that demon was gets filled with something. Because if it just stays empty, even though it's been cleansed, that space is vulnerable to being filled with even worse evil than before. And so you guys were doing a lot to keep yourself separated from the world, you know, to clean your house, so to speak. What were you doing to then fill that space? You know, I think that it is important to know, I'm going to give you something, Nate, that um, you can use or not use, but I think it's important to know that, you know, when I started the the program, the Pure Life program, I remember, I remember my counselor telling me that I needed to cleanse out my apartment, you know, and because my apartment was full of the world. My apartment was, you know, I had television, every channel, I had movies, all kind of movies, obviously, uh, magazines, I mean, just radio blare. And I mean, my, my apartment, my home was full of worldliness, you know, just what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember my counselor telling me, Hey, you got to get rid of the TV. You know, you need to cleanse your home. You need to have a temple cleansing moment, you know? And I did that. You know, I did, I, uh, Shelly will tell you, and I ripped the cord out of the wall and put the TV up, went through all my movies and got rid of every single movie uh, my movie collection, my DVDs, just just tossed them in the dumpster right there at the apartment complex. Just really cleansed my home, and then began to play uh, worship music all the time, even in the background. And I just converted my my home almost into a uh, from a worldly environment to a sanctuary, you know. And when I did that. I, I mean, I would just, when I would come home from work, uh, downtown Atlanta, I'd come into my um, apartment and I would feel like the presence of the Lord, this peace of God in my home, this, it was literally my sanctuary. 
and that's one of the reasons also why I didn't want to go out in the world so much because I would go out and I would, uh, you know, just feel that worldliness. I, I used to call it the dust of Egypt all over me. And I would just like, would love to hold up in my apartment. You know, I loved it. I'd love to, to be able to spend time with the Lord, to read the word of God, to enjoy nice worship music and nice uh, fellowship and conversations between Shelly and I. It was wonderful. I mean, early on in those days when we quit doing so much stuff and we didn't have children living at home, I mean, we spent a lot of those early years. I can remember going through teaching series and listening to sermons together and um, trying to find ways to give to others. We joined a homeless church. I mean, just in an effort to get out of ourselves. Um, to me, I look back and to see a lot of battling through, kind of battling through the old and trying to embrace the Lord. I mean, because really what the point of not being worldly is so that you can have Jesus, right? If the point is just to not do certain things, we've just kind of turned into religion. But the reason we were doing these things was because we wanted more of Jesus. And when our fool is home of junk and our hearts are full of worldliness, there's no room for him. So I think early on for us, there was this battle of pushing through, fighting through. But I will say it was not long before he, he just, Jesus just started filling our home and our hearts with him. And so there wasn't this deep sense of loss, you know, after a while. It was just this infilling of him where there was peace in our hearts and joy in our home. And there was just life, you know, who he is. You know, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's what he was doing for us. You know, early on was the battle, but he began winning that battle in us and filling our hearts and our home with himself. Shelly, I'm glad you said that because this whole series is really geared towards someone who's been in sexual sin. And so what we're saying in this show is that protecting yourself from worldly influences is one of the key lessons a person has to learn to walk in freedom. You know, and so, but then it's like, well, okay, but again, Shelly wasn't in sexual sin. So like, why does she have to go along with this? But it's obvious that something was needed for you as well, Shelly, right? Because you're experiencing this filling of the Lord for yourself that you didn't seem to have before then. So... Like, why did you have to keep yourself protected from worldly influences? Why was that really important for you personally? Um, you know, like I said, initially, I think I went into it doing it for Adam. And, you know, I grew up in a church where, you know, I thought I was really spiritual because I like I did have a quiet time of like five minutes a day, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so you like in the church for me, it was like, I was comparing myself to others. And I thought I was really pretty set apart. And in some ways compared to a lot of the American church, maybe I was, but I began to even just witness in Adam's life that there was probably more. And so I started just delving in. Um, but I will say a reason for me that I discovered along the way, this is a kind of, maybe it's a side note, maybe you can use it or not Nate, but one of the reasons or benefits I started to gain from really seeking the Lord and living separate was the Lord began to free me from years of anxiety and worry. I mean, I think that's such an acceptable sin in the church. 
And I was really gripped by that. But I began to see over time that the more time I spent separate from the world, the more I experienced his presence, which then gave me peace and joy. And so even though maybe I didn't initially see the need to be separate, the Lord began to make it very clear that if I want to be free, that there is more freedom for me than what I was living in. There is more life for me than what I was living in that I needed to be separate from the world as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we we just don't understand how powerful the influence of the world really is, and we don't understand the effect on our lives until we come out, and then we start to go, oh my goodness, wow, <laughs> like the Lord is setting me free from things I didn't even really know were a problem, you know, and his presence is just, yeah, it's, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, Adam, I remember you talking about at various points, you were walking alongside someone who'd graduated from our programs. And, you know, so as you're walking alongside these guys and we're encouraging them to live out what they'd learned at PLM, how often was this topic of worldliness coming up? Um, did it seem like guys really needed a lot of encouragement to stand strong in this area? You know, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to see, you know, it's hard for some, it's hard sometimes to see, you know, how uh, going to the Braves games all the time or going to, you know, the football games, the Falcons games or going to uh, just listening to country music or all, you know, it's hard to see sometimes how, how does that affect me? I mean, so you're saying like doing these things won't make me a Christian or make it, you know, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, for me, um, I have noticed that the more separate I am from the things of the world uh, and things that really don't, don't matter, things that are passing away anyway, the more separate I am from that, the easier it seems like it is for me to press in, for me to read my Bible, for me to have a prayer time for me to worship and praise and to have my mind set on things above and not things below. I mean, and I would just try to uh, encourage those guys, especially ones that had, had seen a little bit of it or tasted a little bit of it and just to keep encouraging them and reminding them and cautioning them because, you know, it's such a slippery slope of getting involved in worldliness and carnality. It's, you know, I've just seen it time and time again from movies, you know, where I had a friend of mine that was kind of like me in, in a way who just wouldn't watch anything but basically Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then that little compromise, you know, well, it's only got a couple of cuss words in it or it's only got a couple of, you know, skimpy scenes. It's you know, not that bad. And, and then that's a slippery slope, man. I'm telling you. Hmm. Yeah. I Okay, so I've got a question about boundaries, because it's pretty clear that at the very beginning, you were taking very drastic measures, and I was wondering if, okay, this is 17 years later, if you feel the need still to be as cautious and rigid as you were 
And I, it's, this is a hard one to bring up because I don't want to give people the impression that like, oh, okay, so yeah, I don't really have to do what he did. I don't have to be drastic. I can just skip to the part where I can um, feel more free. But, you know, I'm thinking about like a child learning to ride a bike. So the parent puts training wheels on because without them, the child is just going to, he's going to fall over time and time again and injure himself. But, you know, if you see a 25-year-old riding a bike with training wheels, (laughs) it's kind of like, have we learned the lesson, you know? Um, Does that relate at all? Do you, because maybe for some people it feels like, wow, I'm going to have to live in a prison for the rest of my life, which obviously you didn't feel that way. You were talking about all the peace and the joy, so it's not that, but yeah, it, it, can you talk about the maturing in this process? Yeah, I think, you know, what it comes down to is a matter of a foundation. And, you know, my my freedom from sin wasn't a zap, okay? It wasn't a zap. It wasn't a, a one morning I woke up and I was completely free. This was a battling out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as I was battling out, it was so important to ha- have that foundation to give the Lord, the opportunity to put something deep in me and something that was not going to be easily toppled over, you know, so that those boundaries were extreme in the beginning. And I still think that was needed. That, that's exactly what I needed. I, I needed to be rigid and I needed to be extreme because there was a pouring of the foundation in my mm-hmm. life. I was battling out of sin. It took me months and months to come out and to get free uh, physically I was able to get free pretty quick, but mentally it took some time. Mm. And so that is why I believe it was so um, important to be that strict in the early years because something was being built up inside of me by the Lord. And I needed that. Now, 17 years later, uh, for instance, there's absolutely positively no way I would go to the mall the first three or four or five years coming out, you know, just certain things I would not do. I would not go to ball games. I was very careful about restaurants. I went to just, yeah, that that was important. Now I'm still careful, but yeah, I can, I can pop in the mall for just to run in and run out, you know, if I need to get something, but I don't just go strolling through there because I know that even 17 years later, if I take a nice stroll through the mall I mean, why even put myself in that position where I'm going to have to be in a fight like mm-hmm. that to, to not look at, you know, the lingerie shores or just the girls in general walking through there? I mean, now I think it's more of a of, of fact of using wisdom mm. now, you know, 17 years in, um, you know, I don't, why do I go to, why would I go to a sports bar and just put myself in that position? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I could but why even go there? And I don't need it. Mm. You know, Nate, just real quick while yeah. you're thinking about that, you know, I worked in a, I worked in a prison system for years and I would watch these guys get out of prison, you know, and they would walk out the front gate and, and you know, we'd watch them and who was sitting there to pick them up, their old crew, you know, their old robbing crew, you know, and it was just a matter of time where they were back in prison, you know, and, but occasionally you would see this guy get out of prison and maybe his old crew was out there waiting on him or maybe, but you know, he was going in a different direction. You know, he, 
he was not going to get mixed up with those guys anymore. It was so interesting watching that over the four or five years I was in a prison system. And I wouldn't see those guys, you know, come back. It was, it was amazing, you know, and I always thought about that. And sometimes those guys that would get out of prison and go in a different direction, you know, years later, after doing the right thing, gainfully employed, you know, uh, living a, uh, a decent life, eventually those guys would go back in to the community and try to reach other guys who were struggling, other gang members and drug dealers and try to talk some sense into them years later. You know, and I, I think about that in some ways for us, you know, battling out of of sin and, and trying to come into a life of righteousness. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, too, early, in the early years, there were there were still idols in our hearts, you know, things that had a pull on us. And the Lord really had to topple some of those things. I think as time has gone on now. And he's become so much bigger and he reigns in our hearts and rules in our hearts. There are some things that we can take maybe in a case by case basis and say, you know, could we do this? Could we not do this? Is it worth the effect on our spiritual life? And I think we're able to maybe see the effect it may have on us and decide, is this a place we want to go or not? So I do think, like Adam said, we do try to use more wisdom now. So it's not always a hard no about everything, although we are still pretty separate. The other thing about boundaries and discipline, uh, Nate, for me, you know, really, it just wasn't that hard. You know, for instance, um, when I wanted to become a police officer, well, you know, I didn't know how to be a police officer, but I went through police academy and the instructors told me this is how you are to be a police officer, you know, and you don't drink and drive anymore. You don't, you know, you don't do things that are questionable or that would tarnish the badge. I mean, so, you know, when I, I wanted to be a cop, so I had to live by the rules of being a police officer and it was really good. It was good for me and it was good for others. And so for me, you know, being a Christian, I didn't know how to be a Christian, but uh, the folks at Pure Life did. So what they told me to do was easy for me. I'm Okay. So this is what you do to be a Christian. This is what it looks like. You repent, you humble yourself, you read the Bible, you pray. You know, all these things weren't, it just wasn't a problem for me because I wanted to be a Christian. So I needed to live by the Christian rules. And there's a conduct, so to speak, and it would be conduct becoming of a police officer or conduct unbecoming of a police officer. And I understood that, see. And so when I rolled around to Pure Life uh, all these years later, I understood there was a conduct of being a Christian and a conduct unbecoming of a Christian. For me, it was kind of easy in that way. Hmm. I think that's harder, though, to me for somebody who's grown up in the church, because I think the tendency is to say, well, they're a Christian and they can do that. Why can't Mm -hmm. I? And I think that issue is sometimes more difficult for somebody who's grown up in the American church. Hmm. Can we can we talk a little bit about how being separated from the world has influenced the way that you raise your two young children? Um, I, you know, I think some people almost feel like you're jipping your kids if they're not exposed to like the world and it's um, 
like you don't give them a well-rounded experience or something like that. Um, I, I think that's just like totally nonsense, but, um, can you talk about like some of the ways that this, that your own life has influenced the way that you raise your kids? Yeah. So I'm totally with you on that, Nate. I believe that's nonsense. I, I think that, um, you're right. Some people may see that, you know, you're cheating your kids of full experiences and, you know, things like that. But I look at it completely different. I look at it as you're protecting your children. And, you know, we, we are to protect our kids. And if I know something's harmful, I'll go back to your example of training wheels. I know for a fact that it was dangerous to put my kid on a bike with no training wheels. I know that. I have that wisdom. I, I understand that. And, and I know that to protect them, we start them off on training wheels. So for me, it makes, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, I, I know that things are harmful to them. I have a 12 year old son now, he's 13 next month. It is not wise to take him to Panama city beach, Florida. That's just dumb. <laughs> yeah. I'm setting him up for failure. Now I am putting, I am contributing to the problem. If I do things like that for my, for my kids, if I allow them to, flesh out on uh, video games all day long, just mindless video games all day long. That's not being a responsible parent. If I just allow them to watch uh, movies and television with no boundaries, that's not being a responsible parent. That's not being a protector of our children by no means. I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that one. You know, I think you said something though, and it, to me, forget how you said it, Nate, about your life. And I think helping your kids in this really is an overflow of our own lives. I mean, we're not asking them to do something that we don't do ourselves, for instance. Mm. I mean, we're not telling them no to movies, certain movies, and then we stay up and watch R-rated movies. You know, so certain ways, we're just modeling before them a way to live a Christian life or the way that we believe the Lord has called us to live this Christian life. And so it does flow out of that. And then I think just some of it just calls for wisdom. For instance, it's not like we never take our kids to a baseball game, but we try to be wise. We don't hardly ever go. And when we do go, we try to pick a time of day. Maybe we go during the day instead of at night. Um, For instance, Adam mentioned the beach. It doesn't mean then at this season of our life, that we never go to the beach early on. That was what that meant for Adam and I, we just never went to the beach early on, but now we try to go in an off season, (laughs) maybe at an off peak time of day to a really slow beach. So some of it is just wisdom and then trying to model that first before our kids. And now they're just getting to the age where they're starting to ask the whys. you know, we, might be different than some of their friends. And so trying to explain that to them now, the whys behind we live this way and we don't do this, but this is what we have instead. And we try to help them understand, like we may not do certain things, but our lives are full and they can see that. They know the richness and the joy in our home and the conversation and all of those things that come with living this lifestyle. You know, it can be tricky trying Mm -hmm. to raise kids and, um, you know, for instance, you know, I have a 12 year old who's very athletic, you know, and he wants to, he wants to play baseball. He wants to golf. So 
you know, I have to just use wisdom in what we do. For instance, we go to one football game a year and we go to one baseball game a year. That's the rules. And we go to, uh, it's a Georgia Tech football game, you know, which is not like an Alabama game or Florida, you know, <laughs> so it's not, so it's Georgia Tech. Okay. It's so about the worst college football you could get, <laughs> but we go to it, you know, <laughs> you know, we go to it, you know, just to, just to let him get out and go to a football game. And, but we only stayed a halftime, you know, we, we never stay a full game and we go to, you know, one baseball game in a year and we go to um, a triple a minor league baseball game, which is, as you know, one step above high school, you know, There's probably no fans there. <laughs> but it's a baseball stadium. It's a baseball game, you know, and it's nice, you know, and, and we, you know, we only go, we stay like half a game or something, you know, and, um, so those things are tricky. You know, what do you, what do you let the kids do? Do you, you know, we, they play sports, they play rec ball, you know, they play uh, baseball and soccer, you know? So, I mean, we, we, we do have somewhat of a life, you know, like that, but that's not our emphasis. You know, our emphasis is the Lord. And I'll tell you, leading into your next question, the blessing of it, the blessing of it is watching kids, our kids pray for people, you know, watching our kids testify to their friends and watching our kids love to go to church and uh, love to come up to Pure Life and looking forward to the alumni conference or the Pure Life conference. I mean, it's such a blessing, you know, when you see your kids uh, reading their Bible or like, for instance, my daughter, playing hymns and worship music on the piano. I mean, man, you talk about blessings. Wow. I feel like raising kids in this lifestyle probably has driven me more on my knees <laughs> than a lot of things, because I do think it takes such wisdom and it's not always set in stone. Do this, don't do this. But the reality is we're trying to protect their hearts and I don't know always what that looks like, but we do have a heavenly father who knows what that does look like. And so I would say like with kids, it just really takes prayer. My heart goes out to the moms that are, you know, that dad comes home from the program and they have even teenage kids. And I think that is just something that truly like a seeking of the Lord is just so necessary about how to step back and make that work and you know, have a godly atmosphere in the home. Um, but it is worth it. And maybe that's the blessing and that's the encouragement I want to encourage a wife with. Um, it is so worth it. It is hard sometimes to lay your life down. You feel like maybe early on, you might feel like you're losing part of yourself or things, but you are gaining everything. You are gaining life and peace and Jesus and an atmosphere that's full of joy and a heart that's full of him. Um, it is just so worth the fight that it feels like in the early years and the fight, it can still feel like sometimes just pushing against the world, but gaining him is so worth the fight, right? I mean, it really is. Yeah. The real blessing in it all is I'm free, man. After 20 something years of being in sexual bondage and just sin bondage. I'm 17 years in freedom now. 
and freedom and walking with the Lord. I mean, you talk about a blessing, man, there it is. It's all been worth it. All right, we're at the end of our show, and I'm just really hoping that you, our listeners, really heard the joy in Adam and Shelley's voice, because I think that that joy is a massive testimony to the reality of what they've been sharing. Maybe the idea of cleansing your home of everything that's worldly feels like, I'm going to lose my freedom. Or maybe the idea of being really cautious about where you go and what you do feels like it's restrictive and cramped. But we used to fill our homes with whatever we wanted and what came along with it? Sin. When you listen to Adam and Shelley, it's really obvious they don't think they lost anything except the things that kept them in bondage. I'm going to let you chew on that for a little while. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.